السلام عليكم ورحمة الله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Brothers and sisters, welcome back. This is our final session. Uh, most of you who have been coming in the previous years, you know that normally we always gather as many speakers that are left behind on the final session. And we get each one of them, inshallah, to give us some parting advice in light of the past two days, two and a half days perhaps. Um, the only odd thing about this session is that it is interruptible. So as and when coaches arrive, we interrupt the speaker, we either put up a notice or we announce. It's very important that uh, the brothers and sisters have already packed their bags. We have to vacate the rooms by 11.30 at the very latest. There is going to be a separate program from another conference later on. And the university have made a condition that we do vacate the halls, otherwise each room that is left occupied, either with luggage or people, will be charged a full day rate. So. Um, I hope you are all packed up and ready. As and when the coaches arrive, I'll announce them. There are four London coaches arriving today at around 12 p.m. So if they arrive, announce it, and you get up straight away and leave and not worry about being rude and so forth. Um, the order of speakers today in, in, is going to be first and foremost uh, uh, Sheikh Jafar Idris, and then Sheikh uh, Shabir, then Sheikh Suhaib, then Sheikh Mamdouh, then Sheikh Mohammed al-Sharif, and finally Sheikh Salim. And then I'll, if there is any time left, I hope there will be about five, ten minutes left, I'll do a small summary of the few key points I mentioned on uh, Friday night. And then, we'll, inshallah, we'll just um, say goodbye to each other and thank each other, and, and off we go, inshallah. So if I could start by, first of all, asking Sheikh Jafar Idris to tell us a few words of uh, advice. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. First, uh, something personal, and uh, perhaps uh, I will be also speaking on behalf of my brothers here. Um, we have been put here in a position to, to be like teachers. Uh, but uh, remember that our knowledge is not perfect. Our conduct is not always exemplary. So please forgive us for any mistakes that we make. Don't judge us by the slips of our tongues, by some improper expressions uh, that uh, we made. Uh, my second and most important uh, advice to you, is I think something that I have been repeating, uh, remember that really this religion is a religion of knowledge. It is not religion of opinion, it is not religion of hawa, it is religion of knowledge. And you cannot do what you have always been advised to do here without knowledge of this deen. And the more knowledge you have, the more of you are knowledgeable, the better, inshallah, you will be able to make a change and, and, uh, in this society and a change that is based on your knowledge of revelation. So, and... Uh, 
I am saying this especially to the young people. Try to be a scholar. Say to yourself, I must study the Quran. If I find time to study Arabic, if I find, if I find, um, if I can afford to go abroad to study Arabic in some uh, Arabic, Arabic speaking country, do so. If you can't study Arabic here in your country, uh, read the Quran. Don't let a day pass without reading some parts of the Quran. And think of what you read. Ponder over the verses of, of the Quran. Um, discuss this among yourselves. There is a hadith that uh, encourages us not only to recite the Quran, but also to يتدارسونه, that, that um, we teach each other uh, the, the Quran. So the Quran, the Quran, don't, don't let a day pass without reading the Quran and reading to understand the Quran. And the Quran cannot be separated from, from the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So also uh, make it a point that every day you read at least one hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and uh, you will realize, alhamdulillah, there is a wealth of, of knowledge even in one hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You might read a, a 200 page book and you don't get as much as you read from two lines of a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So read the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Follow what you are asking Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in every rak'ah of your salah to follow. You, every time we pray, in every rak'ah we say, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِينَ guide us to the right path. The right path is explained in the Quran. But now, then we go on and say, Sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim. Because this Sirat al-mustaqim is not just something theoretical that anyone can read the Quran and understand it the way and he or she wants. Uh, you must understand the Quran the way it was understood and applied by Foremost among them is the Prophet Then the companions of the Prophet, all the great ulama um, uh, of the Ahl sunnah follow this way. Also, you say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Don't follow the way of these people. Read in the Quran about the ways of these people and try to avoid, uh, avoid this, uh, these ways. These are people who reject some parts of the revelation. These are people who distort um, revelation as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us. These are people who because of this you know, divisions were um, uh, uh, created among them. Uh, these are people who don't make sacrifices. These are people who don't want to make jihad. So we want to follow the way of and to avoid 
the ways of al-maghdub alayhim wal-dallin wal-dallin alhamdulillah rabbil alamin salatu wassalamu ala rasulil karim brothers and sisters uh, as we come now to our final uh, meeting here in this conference uh, we have an opportunity now to reflect over the last few days and see what we have gained and uh, how we need to capitalize on these gains in the days to come ahead of us. Now, over the last uh, few days, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with the company of many other good Muslims. And this is something invaluable. Uh, we prayed together, we dined together, we had an opportunity to talk to each other. And uh, the moments we shared, uh, I think, uh, will be unforgettable. Uh, some uh, friendships have been born. Some of the brothers accompanied each other regularly to go and pray together, to go and uh, dine together. Uh, the conversations we had uh, would be imprinted in our memories uh, for a long time. Some of the stories we heard from each other uh, will be there with us uh, in our memories. I will never forget the story uh, of uh, Sheikh Khaled Yasin told last night about his mother and uh, how uh, she was uh, being drawn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that perhaps is even beyond herself. Uh, and uh, I can see that many of you were moved by that story because I can see the tears uh, welling up in the eyes of many brothers as we heard that story. This is one of the blessings we have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when we come together uh, in such a pious atmosphere that Allah will bring out the best in us and cause us to benefit from each other in ways that are unprecedented. So we should think uh, over this. I, the friendships that we develop here should be lasting. Uh, we, if we did not have friends among the Muslimin, then we will have friends outside. And it is good that Allah has given us this opportunity to develop this kind of friendship and love uh, that he has commanded us to have in the first place among the Muslimin and among the Muslimat. The second thing is that uh, we have, over the last uh, couple of days, been immersed in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At other times we have been distracted, we have been uh, called away due to our worldly pursuits from our worship, from our Quran reading, from our dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here we have been regularly going for the five times prayer, uh, combining the, the ones that are needed to be combined. But we are there, we are offering the salat in the jama'ah. In the morning we see people leaving their beds and they're going and joining the jama'ah. Uh, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the early morning when the rest of uh, Leicester and the rest of uh, Great Britain uh, might be asleep. This too is a great bounty of Allah and we need to cultivate that uh, throughout our lives. We need to take this now as a lesson and continue that uh, forever. Let it not be that when we go back to the comforts of our homes and uh, we have the wife beside us and everything feels warm in the bed, we feel it difficult to get up and make a cold wudu in order to head for our prayers. We should take whatever we have cultivated now uh, as a training ground to apply later on. Uh, moreover, in these last few days, we have been immersed in the knowledge about the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have been learning from the shayukh, uh, and we appreciate the gems of knowledge. Some of you listen to the shayukh with great awe, and we realize when we listen to the shaykh, Shaykh Jafar Idris, and the other sheikhs uh, who are sitting uh, to, my right, to my right and left, we feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has really blessed these individuals. And one of the things that I regret now at the end of this conference is that I didn't have enough time to sit with these shaykhs and learn from them. And I think many of you have the same kind of regret. You wish we had more time. 
But we can only work with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. Now over the last few days, uh, however, we have had the opportunity to gain much knowledge, act upon this knowledge. Because as much as Sheikh Jafar has said that it's the religion of knowledge, uh, the other part uh, that he has left for me to say is that we have to act upon that knowledge. And now that we are going back, we should be changed in different individuals. It should show that you came from a conference. Let it not be that some people say, oh, you went to the conference and you've been going to the conference year after year. What did you gain? So then, in fact, you become a stumbling block to others who might have been thinking, maybe there's something in that conference that will change my life. Act upon the knowledge, and that will demonstrate to others uh, that uh, the conference works, that you gain something and you act according to it. Now, when we go out into the, uh, into the world after our conference here, uh, we should realize the changes that will occur. We have been in a retreat situation, and this is different than real life. We have, in, in a way, isolated ourselves. We have created an experiment here. We have taken away the variables, and we have put ourselves in such a situation that we can cultivate certain things. We can think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can think about the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu and we can start acting according to these. When we go out now, things are going to be a little bit different. We are going to face challenges. We have to be able to respond to those challenges. One of the challenges is how do we adjust to the fact that there is an environment out there which is not conducive to worshipping Allah and following the sunnah of the Prophet Among your brothers and sisters here, the religion was not strange. If you put on an imama, everybody admires that. If you wear a kufi, that is welcome. You wear your jalabiya, everybody accepts that. When you go outside, now it is different. What do you do? Do you roll on the pants and throw away the kufi and act as everything is uh, normal? Or do you bravely face the public and say, this is me, this is my religion, whatever I'm convinced about, I'm willing to do, and I put my trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Be yourself, and that is a true Muslim. There are people that we would like to convince, especially our family. We have learned something now. We will want everybody to know the same thing and to do the same thing and to come on the right path. But we have to do that with hikmah. We saw from the story of Sheikh Khalid Yasin how many years it takes of patient perseverance to convey the message to a person in your family. We have to go patiently as well. So there are certain things which we didn't see these last couple of days. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved our eyes from all of that. Some of that is inevitable. There is no, there is no escape from them. There's a hadith in Sayyid Bukhari which says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written for every child of Adam his share of adultery and fornication. So there's the adultery of the eyes which is looking, and the adultery of the ears which is listening, and the adultery of the tongue which is speaking, the adultery of the hand which is touching. But it is the private parts which either confirm or deny that. So there's a certain thing which is unavoidable. You will see certain things even though you don't want to see them. You will hear certain things even though you don't want to see, hear them. You will inevitably touch someone you didn't intend to touch. So this is inevitable. That's not be, be, within your control. But that which is within your control is to guard the private parts. Now, when we go out, we will see some of these things and we will hate them because that's the way of the Muslim. Man ra'a minkum munkaran fal Whoever sees an evil, let him change it with his hand. And if he cannot change it with his hand, then let him change it with his tongue. In other words, let him speak against it. And if he's not able to even change it with his tongue, then let him change it with his heart. In other words, let him hate that. 
And then they make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to change that thing. And that is the lowest degree of iman. That's when you have no power. You can't do anything about it. You cannot even speak about it. All you can do is privately feel the pain over it. That is the weakest uh, form of iman, but it is still iman. Woe to the person who doesn't even have this. He sees evil, she sees evil, but he doesn't even register as anything. And that can happen to us because the more you become acculturated to a certain environment, the more you accept it. It has been proven. The more murders people see on television, the more murder becomes natural and normal for them. And they're no longer shocked by it. So now we will see certain things. And of course, coming out of the conference, you'll be shocked by those things. But proceed with hikmah. Don't go breaking up all of the television sets at home. Because that will also break the hearts of the individuals around you. And that will be difficult to mend. Proceed with hikmah so that they can appreciate that the knowledge which you came with is something that is applicable, it is real, it is conveyable to other people. Now, we should start thinking about educating our families in a serious way. We came to this conference and that was the theme, you know it ahead of time. And you're choosing to come to this conference places a responsibility on you. Because big in bold letters were the words educating the family. And the whole conference was about that. Now if you go back from here and you don't even think about educating the family, then it means that uh, you have really done an injustice to yourself. Don't do that, brothers. Don't do that, sisters. We have children growing up in this country, and as we do in, uh, on our side of the Atlantic, and they're facing many problems, many challenges. It is difficult even to say their names in public sometimes, because there are some people who do not know the difference between Usman and Osama. So your child could be named Usman, and, and your child could be going through a very uh, difficult time. There are people who think that anyone with a Muslim name, or anyone who sounds Arab or looks Arab, has something to do with negative activity, that we hear about in some parts of the world. Our children are our future. And our future is being killed. We can re revive our future and we can ensure our future by educating our families. Our kids have to be educated about Islam. They have to have the confidence that when they go out and speak of themselves as Muslims, that they can show the world that Muslims are people who are beneficial to society. Muslims are here to help others, not to harm others. And Muslims have something to offer others which they need. We spoke yesterday about uh, the purity of our Iman, of our Tawheed, and how other people have got it all mixed up, and they need to hear it from Muslims. Our kids should be educated so that they can take this message to the others. Make sure, brothers, I know you're busy, you're working and some of you have extra studies and then by the time you're done with all of that, you're tired, it's time to go to sleep. But brothers, spend quality time with your kids. Make sure that you have regular sessions at home where you sit around and you study the kitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You sit around and study the words of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Think about the, the commands of Allah, about the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Discuss that with your family and together with your family, Keep renewing your commitment to implement these teachings in your life and, and in their lives. And make sure then that they, when they go out, they're not going out with a mixed personality. See, some kids can be very confused because at home they understand that they're supposed to follow Islam. But outside, they understand they're supposed to follow something else. And it is very possible that a girl starts out with a head cover at home, but by the time she turns at the end of the street, the head cover 
has gone into her purse. The, to guard against that, you, you have to educate the families now in a different way than we have been educated. In our days, we were told how it is and how it has to be, and we better shape up and do exactly that or face the consequences. Now, we're looking at a different way of raising kids, and you have to be attuned to that reality. Make sure that in teaching our kids about Islam, we are teaching them to love Islam. A lot of people have come out of madrasas, and they're now in their 50s and 60s, and they hate Islam. We ask them, brother, what is it about Islam that, 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 you, that you find so hateful? And when we trace back, we realize that the madrasa experience was a difficult one for them. They couldn't relate to a teacher who beat them in a merciless fashion. They couldn't relate to the way they were talked down to. Watch for that. We have a young woman in Canada who has written a, a, a book against Islam. And uh, she, she says she's on the borderline of Islam, ready to fall out of Islam. But many who have read her book uh, are wondering, did she not already fall out? <laughs> and uh, of course she declares herself uh, openly to be a lesbian. And she has a lesbian partner. And uh, uh, she, she has written this book uh, to describe some of the troubles and problems I in Islam. But one of the things that is very clear in her book is that even though she has misunderstood Islam from beginning to end, and, and, uh, and, and she doesn't really know what she's speaking about when she writes about Islam, we cannot deny her own personal experience, which is real and which is for her. That's what she experienced, and we must trust that she's telling the truth here. Her madrasa experience was not a very good one. So we must watch that when we're teaching kids, whether in a madrasa or whether at home, we're teaching them to love Islam. Don't tell them, just pray. Teach them about the benefits of prayer. Tell them about what they will get from praying. Tell them about the life hereafter. Tell them about the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tell them, I'm going to pray because I believe in these promises. Show by example that you are going to act according to these promises. Teach them to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to hate Him. Teach them, when you teach them about the hijab, teach them about the benefits of these, of, of these practices. Help them to understand what's wrong with the world out there and how Islam has come to fix that. Let them understand how the woman's body is being paraded and, and used as an object to sell products of every kind and how the Muslim woman's body is to her precious. She saves that, she protects it. And she will expose it only to the viewer of her own choice. That person who in turn pledges to look after her, take care of her, and have eyes only for her. Teach her that she's not a common object to be, uh, to be touched and, and looked at by, by every visitor, like a piece in a museum. But even in the museum, we notice that there might be some precious pieces which cannot be touched by anyone, which could only be seen from a distance, but cannot be examined. It is behind protective cover. The Muslim woman stays behind her own protective cover because she is not common property. She respects herself as a person and she prides herself in the intelligence which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given her as a gift and that is what is the mark of her personality. Not these uh, mascara ads that tell you you have to have hypnotic eyes. The Muslim woman understands herself to be something precious. And just as we cover food so the flies don't light all over it, a, woman, a Muslim woman covers her body 
so, that, so as to keep away the flies, or the wolves as they say in, in America. So teach them to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the education we can give. I'm going to close now with, with these words. And uh, finally, I say what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has enjoined upon us, that we fear Him. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam enjoined upon his young companion, Ittaqullaha haythuma kunt. Fear Allah wherever you are. Wa akhru dawan alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Thank you. Um, if I could ask Sheikh Sahib Hassan Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim As-salatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Once a Muslim brother approached his non-Muslim friend for dawah he asked him can I read your book he gave him a copy of Quran he read the whole book and uh, after reading it completing the recital of it he gave back the book to his Muslim friend and then he said to him, now give me the book which you people practice in your life. Mm. The message is that in this whole planet are there some people who are the messenger of the last message of Islam, the last message of, of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are the only people on this planet who are given this task. My message is, remember this ayah, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you a balanced ummah so that you become witness against the people as the Prophet ﷺ is a witness against you. We are not ordinary people. We are given a task. We are given a mission. And for that mission we have to prepare ourselves. You can't impart this message if you are not prepared for that. I've been reading a lot and thinking a lot about the decline of the Muslim Ummah especially in our times, and I have written an article about that as well, which was distributed in our last conference in London, in Masjid al-Tawheed. The, the causes of the decline of Ummah and their solutions. There are so many things which uh, were mentioned there, but the main thing which I can say here, in the light of this ayah, وَعِدُّ لَهُمْ مَسْتَطَاتُ مِنْ Prepare for them mastatatum. Whatever you can. Allah SWT is not saying whatever other people got out of power, you have to prepare the same power. No. Whatever you can, prepare that power. And the hordes of horses to deter the enemies of Allah and your enemies. So this kuwa or this power, which is of two kinds, kuwatul iman and kuwatul ilm. The power of, of iman, the power of faith, to strengthen your faith. And uh, alhamdulillah, a conference like this, other programs of a similar nature, 
they help a lot. At least uh, we get together in a very good Muslim environment and we learn about Islam. We revive our faith and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala got his own program for us which uh, begins every day with the prayer and ends with the prayer and then all other things including fasting and zakat and hajj. Again to strengthen our iman. When we say that we should be the abd of Allah or the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we have derived this word al-ibadah from abd to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is the main, I, you can say, the means which are given to us to become abd throughout the life. The prayer itself, zakat, fasting, hajj, all these things are means to make us a real abd of Allah throughout our life. So we are not just uh, Abdullah in the mosque, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa And once we are out of the mosque, then we are no more the slave of Allah subhanahu wa We follow our own desire. We follow other schemes devised by other people. No. These means of worship are helping us to become a slave of Allah throughout our life. So we have to revive our faith. And the second meaning which is of that word, quwah, that is the power of knowledge, the power of technology. We people, we, yes, we got our decline. We fail in our faith and we also fail in science and technology as well. So this is why we can't stand face to face to our enemies or the enemies of Islam in our times. So we should try to acquire this science and technology as well. And that is the thing, interestingly, I have said to uh, the Americans when I was recently held by them for quite a long time, in my long, long interview, in the end, when they asked me, what do you think about America? You can imagine a person who has been uh, held by them for such a long time, and at uh, one moment he has been handcuffed as well. What he is going to say, but uh, I have to be sincere to them. So this is why I said to them, with all patience, I said to them that uh, I believe that America is very strong. And the secret of its strength lies in its unity. Because the 50 states of America, they were united together and they have created such a strong country. So they were very happy when they are typing all this interview on their laptop. Huh? They're very happy. And then I said, but I want the Muslim to be united as well and to be strong. He said, yes, uh, that is something very natural for each nation to be strong. So that is natural. But uh, his junior attendant, uh, the officer who was sitting beside to him, he said to me, do you mean that you people become strong to attack America? I said, man, you have some sense of geography. There are no common borders between America and the Middle East at all. There is a big sea which lies in between us. So don't think that they are going to attack America. No. What I am saying that we should try to follow your example in achieving uh, what you have achieved out of uh, all these good things. And he was writing the interview and he wrote, and to achieve what Americans have achieved. 
I said, I did not say that. I said, because you people, you went to the moon and you brought dust from there. We don't know. We don't need all that rocks and dust. Huh? So we, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying to achieve what America has achieved in science, technology, and education. These three things only. Just these three things we want to follow. Your example. We don't want to follow your example of pornography, huh? all the evils which are found in your society. Oh, he said, no, this, uh, this pornography was brought to us by the European. And then he said, no, it is brought to us by the Dutch people. I said, whatever the case may be, it is there. So we, we don't follow you in all these things. We got our own values. So he has to uh, write these comments as well. And uh, I think that I have imparted uh, my message to them. And this, uh, what we really need, that we Muslims, we lack in science and technology. We should try, especially you, you the young people, when you educate yourself, educate in all fields of, uh, of the knowledge. You know, there should be people who are well-versed in Quran and Hadith. They go to the Islamic University and they complete their educations. It is a pity that many people who went from, uh, from Britain, for example, to study in Islamic University, they did not complete their education. They come back. And it happened uh, to some of our brothers in America as well. They did not complete their education. They just uh, leave it in the middle. Why? Sometimes they say, oh, Saudi Arabia is very hot, so they can't live in such a hot season. Sometimes they say, oh, the quality of uh, living is not so good uh, in, in the hostels. And somebody has actually shown me the pictures of the hostel, and he said, oh, this is the way people are living there, so I can't, I can't live there in such conditions. T no. Tell them to go to the Sudan. Uh, <laughs> yes. I used to tell them that uh, our scholars, all big scholars, they used to sit on the mat and uh, they got no electricity at that time. In the light of the lamps and candles, they used to study. So studying is something, uh, it needs some sacrifice and some hardship. Uh, I, I myself remember my first journey, my first journey which was from Karachi to Saudi Arabia. It, it took seven days, of course, in the sea. Uh, and... Uh, the second journey which I took, it was uh, through Persian Gulf, which took five days in the sea, and then from Al-Khuba to Riyadh, then from Riyadh to Medina. In those days, it took, it took me two, day, uh, two nights and one day. Two nights and one day, and almost uh, three days it took me, I, because uh, as a student, I just uh, got uh, the first truck, uh, the first lorry which was going to Medina, and the road were not uh, paved at that time. So they have to travel in the desert. And even the truck driver, he lost his way on his way to Medina. And then he has to come back, find his way, and once again. So it took me all such distance. So this is in my lifetime, what, uh, let alone the people who have uh, achieved knowledge before us. So you have to exert some effort to, to get the knowledge. And alhamdulillah, for you, the knowledge is coming. Uh, from Sudan and from Saudi Arabia, from Emirates, and you are just receiving it, sitting on these cushions, uh, in these chairs, so simple and so easy. But still, many people they don't like, they don't like to come. They think that the knowledge should come to their houses, hmm. and this is why they need uh, Islam Channel and other channels. <laughs> <laughs>
So I would say that uh, we, we Muslims, we are not, uh, we, don't, we, we don't have that technology, but we got something with us which we can give to the West. That is our good values. Good values of our, uh, our home, values to respect, to give respect to our elders, to our fathers, to our mothers. One brother who told me, and I think that this is a, this is a true story, that when they went to Japan, in one sitting, one of the brothers, he just mentioned this hadith, man ahaqqun nasi bi suhbati. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أمك ثم من قال أمك ثم من قال أمك ثم من قال أبوك Who deserve my company more? And the Prophet said your mother and then your mother and then your mother and then your father and I would say your poor father uh, he comes uh, number four uh, why? Because uh, your mother has taken uh, more effort and exerted more effort to rear you, to care for you. He said that when we mentioned this hadith to that crowd of Japanese, they were so motivated by it, so impressed by it, that only just listening to this hadith, many of them became Muslim because they also got the same values of respecting their elders, their mothers and their fathers. They said, oh, Islam is very near to our nature. That is a religion of nature and we accept it. So we have all these values uh, with us, the values of our families, how a person is loyal to his wife, how the wife is loyal to, to her husband, these things which are, uh, which are not found in this society. Whatever you see on the tally, whatever you read in the papers, the scandals, and the amount of scandals which you keep on reading about their family life. So in face of all that, you got these good examples to show them about your own family life. But when, when you are actually implementing the teachings of Islam in yourself, in your home, in your children, in your wife, so this is why try to equip yourself internally, that is by learning Islam and acting upon it. Externally, by imparting this message to others telling them about this Islam, giving them, your brothers, just a booklet on Islam, some uh, short surah al-Quran with translation, some book of hadith, any, any good book about Islam, that is uh, the way of da'wah. Yani not many people can speak a lot, so they can impart through the books and uh, try to utilize other means our brothers, mashallah, they are doing good works in Jimas. The brothers who, are, who got Sunday stalls in the market, it may not be in other countries, but alhamdulillah in Britain, in many places, uh, you people, you got uh, stalls in a Sunday market in the high street where they are imparting dawah to the passers-by. They give them a handout about Islam. Anyhow, the person who got the message you have uh, done your duty. He may read it, he may not read it, but anyhow, if he is uh, impressed by that leaflet, and then he comes back and asks more about Islam, inshallah, you are the carrier of Islam to him. We have heard the cases of a person becoming Muslim. Someone was saying, 
in Bosnia that uh, the person who became Muslim, how he became Muslim, that I was passing by a mosque and I listened to that melodious voice of Muazzin giving azan, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. And he just uh, stood and listened to that azan. And that created an interest in him to know more about Islam. And then he entered into Islam just by azan. And this is why azan is to be announced and pronounced and declared. But uh, this is a pity again that uh, we people, we just do this azan inside the four walls of the mosque. Maybe because of the regulations, but anyhow the Muslims are trying their best to get permission to announce this azan and that should be done so the public could hear it. So we have a great opportunity, my brothers, a great opportunity which is given to us by Allah SWT to become the carrier of Islam, be a member, be a member, member in the scheme of Allah SWT. Allah SWT wants you to become a da'iyah, a carrier of Islam, respond to his call. And inshallah, the gates of prosperity, happiness would be open to you, not only in this world, in this world and in the hereafter as well. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala nabiyya Muhammad. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Sahib. One small correction about the da'wah table and the stalls in the high streets. I must point out that's done by my uh, beloved brother uh, Omar Abdullah from the IPO. So I don't want to take um, false credit for other people's work. So please do um, bear that in mind that that work is not done particularly by Jumas but by IPO. Um, the next speaker, inshallah, is Sheikh Mamdouh Muhammad. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-anbiya wa al-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Ahibbati fillah, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You can't imagine, me too, I cannot imagine how much knowledge and how much learning we learn through these few days or few hours. Just during this session, I myself learned it a lot. One lesson I learned, and I hope you learn it when you are invited to make a speech among others, don't go in the middle. Be either the first, as Dr. Jafar Sheikh Idris, or the last, as Sheikh Salim Al-Amri. Because if you fall in the middle, you will be deprived of the opportunity of saying the beautiful things that they already said or they will say inshallah at the end because the last one usually affects you. So learn this lesson. So I learned this lesson. I hope next time I'll go first. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is of course have because have to be of, older than uh, Wisdom. Uh, we, we learned a lot. Wallahi, if you learn it, something, we learn it probably more. I almost learned from every sheikh something practical, and I will tell you some of these things that I myself learned. I learned little from Dr. Jafar Sheikh Idris about even the way how to make salam to a person. He said that I still remember somebody, he is saying, somebody he used to tell him that when you shake salam, when you make salam with someone, don't just present your hand like this but make it warm and shake it to show love to this person. And he still remembers this story, and I learned from this story myself. Something we already learned now from Sheikh Suhaib right now, how to say 
wise words even in front of the people who investigate you because wisdom is something that's required from each one of us because in that particular place you are representing every Muslim so it becomes a responsibility upon you to show the beauty of Islam by your behavior and by your words to everyone when you are in a similar situation you have to remember that you are representing Muhammad you are representing every Muslim so you have to behave wisely and with wisdom because this, these words beautiful words that he said I'm sure inshallah they will click the minds of those people who listen to them and hopefully inshallah one day they will be guided to this great religion as we have been guided I learned Today, in the morning, from Sheikh Shabir Ali, and uh, as he looks to you, he's older than I am. Today, in the morning, with his old age, less than 60, I hope, <laughs> he told me in the morning, that with the knowledge that you have seen from him, I want to join the American Open University to learn. At this age and with this knowledge he still wants to learn and this attitude in itself is, is a treasure for every Muslim we should develop this attitude and all of us should teach ourselves that we will always seek knowledge day after day after day I learned from the kids yesterday seven eight years old I was so happy when I asked them some questions and seven and eight years old, they asked them, what is the most, what is the goal? What is the purpose of your life? And seven years and eight years old came and said, our purpose in life is to worship Allah alone. Seven and eight years old. I felt sorry on my past because at that age, I didn't know how to say these beautiful words. Probably I had them in my heart, but I didn't articulate them well. They had probably better teachers than I had. Nobody taught me, but this is something that each one of us should be proud of. And I wish that my grandchildren, who are coming soon, inshallah, yes, will be among those who learn it here in this seminar. So this is something that I learned during the seminar. Uh, uh, before I continue, I would like you to repeat after me. I'm a teacher, so teachers like students to repeat after them. So I want you to bear up with me and to repeat what I'm going to say, if you like it. Say, Bithnillahi, say, I will take this conference a turning point in my life to be a better Muslim, to be a better worshiper of Allah, to be a better slave of Allah. If you don't like it, you can erase it. I want each one of us really to take this conference as a turning point. To be a better person. You learn it a lot. You have it in your mind. I expected all of you to come with notepads to write on them. But unfortunately, you brought some suitcases instead. I know that they have more knowledge than what I'm going to say. However, I wanted you to document these things. I want each one of us on the bus or on the car or on the plane, on our way back 
provided that you shouldn't be a driver, right? Because you are going to write. I hope you don't write while you are driving yourself. To make a table to say that what was I doing before this conference and what I learned from this conference and inshallah what I will do after this conference. I hope you don't forget. So on the bus, try to write a table like this and put these three elements. And I want you to check on yourself on this schedule or on this table after a week, after a month, and frequently from time to time you check on yourself and see whether you are really implementing. I highlight the word implementing because it's very important. Whether you are implementing the things that you learned or not. You learned lots of things. You learned lots of things as a Muslim in general. You learned how to seek knowledge, how to verify this knowledge and follow the ones that are authentic. You learned how important your beliefs should be accurate and correct. You learned it's not how important the sheikh who taught you this issue is, but how authentic the knowledge that you learn it is. Because following people as individuals, those people, especially the living ones, might die, and before they die, probably they might deviate. We don't want to be so affected by people and, and take them as our role models, probably if they pass away and they die on the truth, we take them as role models. And we don't need that because we have the best role model, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Brothers and sisters, there are cars parked on Manor Road which, is, which are preventing the coaches to park. We need these cars removed. Please, please remove the cars that have been parked on Manor Road, which is the road in front of this hall. They're preventing the coaches from parking. As a father, we learned how to be wise, gentle, kind-hearted, and to treat, to treat our kids in a better way than we used to do before the conference, to improve ourselves. I'm sure that all of us learned from each other some ways and some tips that we can improve ourselves. As sons and daughters, we learned how to be loving to our parents, and we learned that one way to access paradise is by obeying our parents and by showing them kindness and love and respect as much as we can. And when we are doing this, we know this is part of worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is how he commanded us to obey our parents. As wives, we learned that one way of access paradise is to be obedient to the husband. And you know that obeying your husband in the legal ways, in the area way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked you to obey him is an access to paradise. We learn it as husbands to show five ways of five loving languages as you learned from brother Muhammad and I learned myself. Uh, ways of showing love and asking our wives to tell us what are the ways that the love language that they love more, and we can work on this to improve our relationship, at least to give them the rights upon us. 
We learned lots of things, but to cut things short, we learned one very important thing, that in this religion, there is a clear norm for all of us. The sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is the norm for every Muslim. And I'm quite sure that lots of misconceptions that preoccupied our minds have evaporated. Some of us believed that we live in Britain or we live in the United States or we live somewhere else. We live in Pakistan or Egypt or Sudan. And this is the norm of Islam, is to behave as the people of that particular region behave. I'm sure that you learned that this is a wrong concept. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never ask any one of us, why didn't you behave as the Muslims in Britain behave? Why didn't you imitate the norm of the Muslims or the average of the Muslims in the United States or in Turkey or in other region in the world? We learned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught us that the norm is the Prophet for every Muslim who lives on this globe. He is the norm. And if he is the norm, he is the norm to everybody who lives in Britain or America or Egypt or anywhere else. He is the norm. And if you want to know yourself, you are on the right track or not, see yourself how close you are to the norm, to the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad And at that time, we will be able, hopefully, inshallah, to unify, to uni unite the Muslims on the sunnah of the Prophet This is the norm, and this is a very important factor that will help us, inshallah, follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala amma ba'd assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Imam Bukhari rahimahullah when he was coming to uh, Iraq and in Iraq there were many hadith scholars there and so they had this competition to see and test Imam Bukhari if he really was you know as strong a hadith scholar as they said so these great hadith scholars Amongst themselves, they took each of them ten hadith and they flipped the isnad of the hadith. So you had ten of them and each one had ten hadith and all the hadith were authentic and all the isnads were authentic. All they did was switch them. Right? And so when Imam Bukhari came, the first uh, of these shuyukh came to him and they said, I want to ask you about hadith. So-and-so said so-and-so that the hadith such and such. Bukha Imam Bukhari rahimahullah, he said, la a'rifuhu. He said, I don't know this hadith. And so he asked him the next one. Imam Bukhari said, la a'rifuhu. I don't know this hadith. And so he asked him a third one. Imam Bukhari said, la a'rifuhu. I don't know this hadith. And he kept going like this. For all 100 of the hadith, those who were sitting, you know, like the lay people, they said, this guy knows nothing. 
Because he's saying, I don't know it, I don't know it for every single hadith. And the scholars that were sitting in the crowd, they said that he knows. Like he knows the trick. So now at the end of, after everybody had finished the 100 uh, you know, hadith that with the isnads flipped, Imam Bukhari said, are you finished? And they said, yes. And so he turned to the first one. He said, أَمَّا هَذَا فَقَالَ كَذَا وَكَذَا وَالصَّحِيحِ كَذَا وَكَذَا he said, as for this first one, he said such and such was such and such an isnad, and that's incorrect, the correct isnad is this. And so Imam Bukhari rahimahullah went through all of those, like 100 hadith, and told them the correct answer. Now, those who commented on this, it's not, that, it's not very hard to tell the person the correct answer. But what he did was, he memorized all the hadith incorrectly, the way that they had said it. By hearing it once. He had memorized all of it incorrectly with the isnads flipped. And he, and he told them what the correct one was. And this is Imam Bukhari rahimahullah. The reason I'm saying this is yesterday there was a beautiful question in the question and answer. It didn't get to be asked, but it's a, a question very dear to me. The question was, how do we acquire knowledge and, and the person had underlined the word, retain knowledge. This is the key word. Acquiring knowledge is something, but actually retaining it is something else. Because you'll see, when you look up at the stars, what you're seeing in the sky doesn't actually exist. Because the light is traveling so far, whether it's 7 minute delay, or whether it's 700 year delay, you're looking at some of those stars that you've seen, they've already died. But by the time the light reaches you, you're not looking at the real star. And so even though you're sitting here, you might not actually be here. Because the knowledge might already be gone. And this is a, a reality. I can ask you about things I said in previous GMAS conferences. It's forgotten. Things that other uh, teachers had said, it's forgotten. So are you really here or not? And everybody can uh, answer that question. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us in the Qur'an, وَقُلْ Say, رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا My Lord, increase me in knowledge. How often do we make that dua? And if we're really serious about that dua, the, our way of studying will reflect a way of retainment. Because the Prophet ﷺ also used to make dua, اللَّهُمَّ إِنِّي أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ عِلْمٍ لَا يَنْفَعَ That, oh Allah, I seek your protection from knowledge that brings no benefit. What that means is that a person can listen to a lecture, can hear very noble things, but after hearing that knowledge, they don't retain it, and secondly, that they don't practice it. And so it doesn't bring naf'a to them, it doesn't bring benefit. They heard it, but they don't implement it, or they don't uh, retain it, inshallah. And just in these next few moments, I just want to talk a little bit about retainment of knowledge. If someone doesn't retain knowledge, in reality, they're not growing. If they're not retaining knowledge, they're not growing, they're just... And we gave the analogy of like a rocking horse. A rocking horse makes movements, but it doesn't go anywhere. It just makes movements. It might come to conference after conference, but in reality, you look at the life of the rocking horse, it's not changing its life after. So what benefit is there to the movement? If there's no movement, uh, what benefit is there to the movement if it's not going anywhere? After that, in life, this is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His creation, that anything that doesn't grow will die. 
So if you have a flower that's growing, 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 if the flower all of a sudden says, you know, I've had enough growing, I'm just going to stop here, what will happen to the flower? It will start to turn yellow, and it will start to crumble, it will fall down. And so if you see the little kids, like for example, this boy right here, right? What's your name, brother? Ali? Ali's walking around, he's energetic, and so on and so forth. We can say that he's alive. And I can, I'm not going to pick out anybody here, but I can show you people that are halfway dead. <laughs> right? And the halfway dead people, they're slouched over, you know, they're half asleep. And, and then there's even more dead people that haven't even come to the lecture and so on and so forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you'll see it with the children. They're so energetic and their energy is their life. And as the child gets older and older, the customs, everybody tells them, look, you need to chill out, you need to slow down, your body needs to slow. The ultimate non-movement is what? Is death. When you totally stop moving, you're dead. And so you have to keep growing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us many examples in the Qur'an about how knowledge raises people. How knowledge raises people. Not only that, but it raises the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know about the trained dogs. The seeing eye dog, the hunting dog. That they have a special status in Islam because of their knowledge. Because of their knowledge. And this is just uh, for your information. When we were uh, teaching one of the tafsir classes, I was wondering which of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned the most in the Qur'an. The name that's out of the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which one does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mention the most? And interestingly, the name that's mentioned the most is Al-Alim. Al-Alim is the most mentioned named in the Qur'an, the all-knowing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right from the beginning in Surah Al-Baqarah tells us the status of our father Adam alayhi salam because of his knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَالَ يَا آدَمُ أَنْبِئْهُمْ بِأَسْمَائِهِمْ Tell them of their names. And so right from the beginning of creation, the nobility was come from retainment of knowledge. From retainment. Not necessarily just learning it. But learning it doesn't mean anything if it's not retained. It has to be retained and then used at a later time. And just so you know, subhanAllah, I, I, I gave a series of lectures about Al-A'im Al-Arba'a, the four Imams. And one thing that I noticed, a recurring theme, is that... Uh, Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmed, they were always learning. They didn't come a time where they just say, it's time to stop learning and I'm just going to give lectures till I die. They didn't do that. And the example of this, like Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, when he would teach in his class, his class was not a lecture style. His class was what we call a think tank. There were scholars of hadith, scholars of fiqh, scholars of Arabic language, scholars of this, of this science and that science that were in his halaqa. And then someone would throw out an issue, they would say, Ara'aytum, uh, what if this happens? And then this person will say from the hadith standpoint, this hadith is weak, this hadith is authentic, such and such. The linguist will say from this language, this ayah, it means this, it means that. Everybody will be arguing or discussing the issue and Imam Abu Hanifa would be sitting quietly after all the people had said their opinion. Then Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah would speak and people would be quiet listening to his opinion. That was the way that they did their halaqahs. Which is very different than the way many halaqahs are done. But this is, subhanAllah, the way everybody continues to learn. Everybody in the halaqah continues to learn from each other. From the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we don't remember everything. 
Imagine if you remembered everything, maybe something sad happened to your life. If it, would, if it was that you didn't forget everything, you would go crazy. And so it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy that, we're, that we forget. But with that forgetfulness, which is a mercy, we have to decide what is it we want to retain and work to retain that, inshaAllah ta'ala. In conclusion, I just wanted to give you a tip that inshallah ta'ala that will help you to retain information. Something similar to what uh, Dr. Mamduh said. This is something that I saw. This is actually my journal right here. This is my journal. Usually uh, when I'm up on stage, I like to doodle. Do you guys say doodle? Mm. Yeah. I'll draw pictures of flowers and things like that because uh, just to pass the time. <laughs> and I'll bring up my journal and just write down my own thoughts. And I encourage you to do that. Every day sitting down and um, I was telling some of the younger brothers what to write in your journal is um, an acronym I call LIE. You want to write down lies in your journal. Okay? Lies. L stands for something that you learned. L. Learned. So something that you learned today. Every day. And it does, you, can, you, don't, you can only write like a half a page. You don't have to write too much. L of lie is something that you've learned today. And just say, subhanAllah, uh, Dr. Mumduh said such and such. I learned that, you know, something very simple. And you'll see when you start writing, you learn many things. But you write this down. The I stands for something that you improved. Because we said, if you're not growing, you're dying. What did you do better today? Did you try doing your salah a little bit better? Did you try saying salam with a little bit more love? Did you try understanding um, some of, or did you try retaining information a little bit better? Did you try taking notes in the lecture? Did you try something? Something that you improved, and it doesn't need to be something huge, just something small, and as time goes by, it will become like a hurricane of things you've improved, and you become a better person. And E is something that you enjoyed, something that you're thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. One of the things that I'm thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know that uh, Ali that was walking around? When he came in, he was at the door, and he looked at me and he smiled. And I'm thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the youth program. I think I spoke to the youth more than I spoke to the adults at this time. And I'm so happy for it because all the kids from the youth program, they come up to me, they give me hugs, they talk to me. They're the ones walking around. Like you have Sheikh Salim, the, the older people go around. I have a fit question, what about voting and things like that. And these little kids will come up to me and they'll say, I'm not a PlayStation and then they'd give me a hug and then maybe give me some chocolate or something like that. <laughs> SubhanAllah, I write that in my journal as one of the happiest moments of my time in this conference. The happiest moments. And even just remembering their smiles when, when we do those activities. And so start a journal, inshaAllah ta'ala, bi'ithnillah, by the time you come next year, if you've actually done something like that, you'll come back a different person. And I'm telling you as well, if you don't do these things, and you don't change, you will not come back a different person, you will come back weaker next year. Weaker. If the changes don't happen. Because in life, there's no stagnation. You're either going to grow, or you're going to die. You're going to get weaker. And so you either make this determination now, to get stronger, or inevitably, from the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His creation, will be get, get weaker. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq to get stronger. Assalamu alaikum. 
brothers and sisters, the coaches for Oldham and Rochdale. The coaches for Oldham and Rochdale are here. You are, you're requested to go to your coaches. Please, if you're here and you're waiting for the Oldham and Rochdale coach, it's here. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. الحمد لله. الصلاة والسلام على رسول الله. وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه ومن اتبعه داه ليوم الدين. أما بعد brothers and sisters, the shiuk ما شاء الله they covered almost everything and hardly they left anything to to shed light on it or to remind you. But anyhow, إن شاء الله few points only to remind myself and to remind you إن شاء الله. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, last uh, night or the afternoon, in my talk, when I mentioned uh, the grave mistake in the book of Hiya Aloum al uh, I didn't mean the author himself, rahimahullah. Because Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, he came back to the correct way, alhamdulillah. May Allah shower mercy on him. But the issue the heritage, the books he left behind, which are translated in different tongues, and the mistakes are kept there. And this is from the nasiha to warn the Muslims. So we have to differentiate between the two things. Imam Bukhari, he died while reading Imam, Sahih Imam Bukhari on his chest. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala. He was reading Sahih Imam Bukhari. What This is a sign of God ending, alhamdulillah. Uh, second thing, uh, the introducer yesterday, he, when he mentioned among the shiukh uh, whom I studied, and he said Ali Hassan. It is not Ali Hassan, it is Ali Khashan. Ali Khashan is one of the earliest students, very old man. Okay? Those are students of knowledge, they are my age, so I want to correct that. Also, uh, unfortunately, uh, some Muslims they uh, commit a serious sin. It's not only a serious sin, it is actually one of the violations of Islam. Knowingly or unknowingly, which is mocking or ridiculing or cracking jokes about Islam or about the prophets of Islam. And that is a serious issue. That will make a Muslim a kafir in the spot. That is apostasy. There are ten points, if you commit only one of them, that will take you out of Islam. And among them is as-sukhriya, or istihza, making a mockery, or cracking jokes, or ridiculing any aspect of Islam. You know something, if this miswak, you make, us, make just about a joke about the miswak, this is will make you murtad. Because you are ridiculing the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is a wahi from Allah. In the battle of Tabuk, they were hypocrites with the Prophet ﷺ. That's why there is a chapter in this book, Kitab al-Tawheed. I advise everyone to buy this book. The Kitab al-Tawheed of Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahab rahimahullah Explained by Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, rahimahullah. 
there's a chapter about this issue. That those hypocrites who were in the company of the Prophet ﷺ, they were sitting together at night chatting, and then they started making jokes about the Prophet ﷺ and his companions. And what they said, they said, مَا رَأَيْنَ أَرْغَبُ بُطُونًا وَأَجْبَنُ عِنْدَ اللِّقَاءِ مِنْ مُحَمَّدْ وَأَصْحَابِهِ الْقُرَّاءِ said, we haven't seen indeed people who are so greedy and so ferocious eaters. They like food too much. And yet, they are coward in the battlefield. They were saying this among themselves. And one of the Sahaba heard that. And he stood up and he said, by Allah, I will report this to the Prophet ﷺ. And he rushed to the Prophet ﷺ. By the time he reached the Prophet ﷺ, the wahi already reached the Prophet ﷺ. So one of the hypocrites, he came and he started to apologize. He said, oh Prophet of Allah, we didn't mean. But the answer came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you ask them, the hypocrites. We were just jesting and playing, entertaining one another. قُلْ Allah is saying, قُلْ Say, أَبِاللَّهِ You are entertaining one another with the signs of Allah. You make jokes about Allah and His signs. And His Messenger. You didn't find anything to entertain yourself with it except the religion of Allah or Allah Himself or His Prophet. Make no excuses. Indeed, you have blasphemed. Indeed, you have committed apostasy. It is a clear cut that making jokes about messengers, any of the messengers or anything of Islam or any religious teaching, that in itself is apostasy. Also, the Prophet ﷺ said in the authentic hadith, وَيْلُلَّهُ 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 مَنْ يَكْذِبُ لِيُضْحِكَ النَّاسِ Woe to him! Woe to him, woe to him, who lies to make the people laugh. He lies only to make, he concocts things, he makes, makes things just like that. Why? To make the people laugh. So the people say, well, mashallah, he has a sense of humor. The Prophet said, woe to him, woe to him, woe to him. The other thing I would, I would like to shed light upon, is that we should not, as Muslims, behave and be apologetic. Many Muslims nowadays, they are so apologetic. They feel, they feel inferior in front of the kuffar. They're not proud of their deen. They're not. They feel always inferior. And they are trying even to, to hide the reality of Islam. Islam needs no one to defend it. No one. Just present Islam as it was revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa 1400 years ago. Present it to the people. That's it. You are not the one who is going to guide them. The one who opens the hearts is Allah. Just present it. This is Islam. Don't add anything. Just present Islam as it is. Rib'i ibn Amr in front of Rustum, he showed 
He was proud of his faith. And he spoke graciously in the presence of Rustum. And he told him what Islam is. We don't hide anything. Do you think they don't know the reality? Come on. They know. And they know you are lying. Say, yes, Islam is like that. And that's why we call you. Islam is the only true way for you. And because of that, we want you to save your life. We want you to go to Jannah. We don't want you to go to the hellfire. But no excuses and no <coughs> that we have to get rid of this inferiority complex. The Prophet ﷺ also said in the hadith, مَنْ قَالَ لِمُنَافِقٍ يَا سَيِّدٍ فَقَدْ أَغْضَبَ اللَّهِ If you say to a hypocrite, O oh master, O oh sir, a hypocrite, leave alone the kafir. Listen to this. Leave alone the kafir. Just the munafiq, which means who pretends to be a Muslim. If you say, yes sir, yes master, you have made your Lord angry. Allah says, وَمَنْ يُهِنِ اللَّهُ فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ مُكْرِمٍ Whoever Allah lowers, should not find anyone to raise him or honor him. That's why the Prophet ﷺ told us, don't go to the places of these perished nations. Because by doing so, you are lifting them. Raising them to a lofty status, which they don't deserve. That's why Allah destroyed them. So don't go to their places. Also, brothers and sisters, we, should, we are here ambassadors of Islam. Every one of you is an ambassador. We, everyone is representing Islam. So we have to good give the right image. We know the image now about Islam in the media. How can we prove that the media is wrong? By setting the correct example. So your neighbor, who are non-Muslims, these are seeing something else of what they hear in the media. That you are nice, that you are kind, that you help them. I told you last year that a brother who is working in the, he's in the United States, he's an Iraqi brother, he's mashallah da'i there. And his way and his technique is a simple one. You know, the Americans, they are friendly people. Hi, hi, always, and smiling, and have a nice day, and all that. Which is good. So they would say, when they greet him, he would say, Wa well, ah. Uh, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, and I still speak in Arabic. Say, excuse me. He said, I'm a Muslim, I'm praising my Lord. Do you want to know about Islam? <laughs> Immediately. And many people, they became Muslim because he's sincere. He visited me. He's so sincere. He said, whenever I move to an area, I go and knock their doors. I'm your neighbor. I'm a Muslim. <laughs> yes. He knocks the door of an old lady. I am a Muslim. I'm going to the market. Do you need anything? Imagine, this is Islam. See, where did it come from? <laughs> huh? This is something strange. No one has asked me. But my dean is teaching me these things. If we just set the examples, believe me, brothers, people, you will just enter into Islam. Because other, other religions, they have nothing to offer them. Nothing. And we have everything. 
Just let us be, practice Muslims. Just read the history. Handfuls of the companions, they went to these countries and the people become Muslims. Why? Because of the example, the character. Sheikh Ahmad Didat, Hafizahullah, may Allah reward him for all his efforts. He said, you know something, one of the techniques of the da'wah he uses, the samosa. You know samosa? Ah, yes. What he said, it is uh, spicy things and Some folded, the sambusa. <laughs> okay? And I've seen him in one of the tapes. That's what he's doing. He said, I invite them. He said, in South Africa, the tourists come. And in the program, they take them to Hindu temples, and they don't want to go to the churches, but they're not the church. So they go to Hindu temples, and finally, they come to the masjid. He says, I will go with them, and I enter the temple with them, and the, uh, they start asking, what is this idol, what is that? So the Hindu feels embarrassed. So he says to Ahmad Dilat, you speak, he says, no, it's your religion. <laughs> it's your religion, so explain it to them. Huh? Okay, because he sees some temples, they keep a cow. You know this cow, why? They, and this cow is so trained. The moment you touch the cow, oh no, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and this cow is so trained, the moment it is touched, it passes urine. Yes, yes. And they take this urine and splash it for blessing. Yes. So they ask, why the cow in the temple? What to say? Embarrassment. And after that, he takes them to the masjid. They have seen all these things now. He takes them to the masjid, feeds them. There is a restaurant attached to the masjid. After feeding them, he shows them how the Muslim perform wudu. See, why we do this? That is, then he quotes from the Bible. See? That's why we are not antichrist. We are the only followers of all the prophets. See? Ibrahim... Moses, this is how they did it. And then, he makes them watch the Muslims when they are praying. See, Jesus Christ went a little further and fell on his face. See, who among the Christians does that? No one. So, Muslims, they do what Christ did. So, who are the real followers of Christ? The Muslims. We are the true followers of Christ, not the Christians. As a matter of fact, they are not Christians. We have here our brother, Sheikh Shabir Ali who is an expert in that field, they are Paulians, right? They are not Christians, they are Paulians. They are followers of St. Paul, not St. Isa alayhi salam, Prophet Jesus. So, and he says, I take them also, sometimes I invite them to, uh, to my house, give them the samosa, and after the samosa, they become Muslims. <laughs> yes. So the samosa does the job. Also, brothers and sisters, we should not compromise. No compromisation. Because that's what the enemies of Islam, they want. They want us to compromise. What do you know? That you compromise, so they compromise. You leave something in your religion, and they will leave something. I say, what are you going to leave? What are you going to lose if you compromise? Nothing. You are going to hell, you are going to hell. But if I compromise, then I will be in hell. I don't want to compromise. 
Huh? And this is now what's the call for Abrahamic faith or interfaith or dialogue. What is it? It's that the Muslims, they should give things of their religion. And that is to kill the aqidah of wala and bara. And there is no division between a believer and non-believer. That's what they want. That is their aim. Say, no. قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرِيُونَ Or you disbeliever. لَا أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ I don't worship what you worship. And you don't worship what I worship till Allah said, لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ You have your own religion and I have my own religion. And there is nothing. Yes, they say, we want to have a dialogue. Wonderful. We are the people of dialogue. Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ O people of the book, تَعَالُوا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ Come to a common term. What is it? أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا Allah, that you worship none but Allah. وَلَا نُشْلِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا We associate no one with Allah. وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ And we should not take one another as arbab and peers. Uh, equate them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِنْتَوَلُّوا If they refuse, tell them, we are Muslims. Are the Christians or the Jews ready for this dialogue? No. But they want us to have a dialogue so that we keep quiet and also we say, we are all brothers. You believe in Trinity? It's okay. Trinity is alright. Unity? So unity and Trinity, they are the same. Uh, you say one, we say three, but at the end of the day, it's odd number. Three and one. <laughs> huh? No. No compromisation. Also, my dear brothers and sisters, and dear elders, parents, I'm sure every one of you loves his kids, loves his children. And children, and young brothers and sisters, your parents, they love you too much. They give you their blood. They are striving hard to make you happy. So parents, fathers and mothers, open your hearts for your children. Get closer to your children. Open arms for your children. Help your children. Many of your children now are growing. And they need to get married. Help them. Get your children married as soon as possible. To save them from digressing and diverting. And being indulged into sinfulness. Help them. If you love your child. Save him from committing haram. And I'll just give one incident. About a father in Saudi Arabia. He opened the room because the, his son forgot to close the room. And he found his son watching pornography. So what this wise father do? Did he slap him? Punched him? No. He grabbed him. I don't want to grab my brother. <laughs> huh? He grabbed him. And he took him to a friend of his. He knows his friend, this has a daughter. He said, I want my son to get married to your daughter. This is the remedy. 
Why he is watching pornography? Why? Because, you know, the sexual desire has to be satisfied. So he's looking for pleasure. He said, okay, you, are, you want to prove you are a man? I'll show you. Come. Huh? And he got him married. And believe me, what after getting married, all that will go. But unfortunately, I received many mails. Some brothers, they have this problem. The problem of shahwa. Imam ibn al-Qayyim said, the shaitan can approach you through two gates or two doors. The door of shahwa, lusts and desires, and the door of doubts, shubuhat. The remedy of that door, how to close it, is by the ilm. How you counteract these doubts, you have to be equipped with the knowledge. That's why you have to learn. And how to combat or counteract or resist the shahawat by the taqwa and the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, brothers and sisters, what will help you is lowering your gaze. Lowering gazes. As Allah said, See the link. Tell the believing men to lower their gazes and protect the private parts. Because there is a link between the eye and the private part. And you are living in such, you know, huh? it's not utopia. You are living in such uh, immoral environment. You look here, you say something. You look here, you say something. Up, down, everywhere. So you need to always keep your side down. Lower your gaze. This will help you to overcome these uh, two problems. <clears throat> and before the last point, the way of success. What's the way of success? The way of salvation. Every Muslim is striving and he wants to enter the Jannah. And you know something? This is the way of salvation. You are seeing this? You are seeing the straight line and then the short lines. The straight line, that's what the Prophet ﷺ said. This is the straight path. At the end of this straight line, okay, it is small, you can't see it. At the end of the straight line is the Jannah. And then the shortcuts here, see every shortcut leads to Jahannam. And the Prophet ﷺ said, at the entrance of each shortcut, there is a shaitan, calls you to the hellfire. So the only way that takes you to the Jannah is the, this a long line. And that's the way of the Prophet ﷺ. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said. On the other hand, there are people who are saying that the ways of salvation, not way, ways, that the Jannah or the truth is in the center of the circle. So how many ways to reach the center? Tell me. As many as the points on the circumference. That means there are many ways leads to salvation. Which means there is no one who is wrong. Christians are okay, Jews are okay, Buddhists are okay. Because there are many ways to reach the same point. And make comparison. The Prophet ﷺ said this one way. And others, they are saying this. And you choose which way you want to follow. The Prophet ﷺ said in the authentic hadith, 
that the Jews were divided into 71 groups or sects, Christians 72, this Ummah will be divided into 73. 72 will go to hellfire. Only one group will go to the Jannah. The Sahaba said, tell us, what, is the, what are the characteristics? He said, those who are upon what I am upon. In another narration, those who follow my footsteps and your footsteps. Some might argue. He said, no, 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 no. You know what the Prophet ﷺ meant? He meant 73 of Ummat Da'wah. You know, Ummat and Nabi ﷺ, two types. The Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ, two types. Ummat Da'wah and Ummat Ijabah. What do you mean, Ummat Da'wah and Ummat Ijabah? Ummat Da'wah, those whom the Prophet ﷺ sent to them. So the Prophet ﷺ is sent to all mankind. This is Ummat Da'wah. Ummat Al-Ijabah, those who accepted Islam. We are Ummat Al-Ijabah. So they are saying the hadith is talking about Ummat Al-Da'wah. It will be 73 uh, sects, not Ummat Al-Ijabah. The answer, that's not true. Because he said the Jews 71 and the Christians 73. Add them. How many? And the Jews and the Christians Ummat what? Da'wah or Ijabah? Da'wah. So the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned Ummat al-Da'wah in the same hadith, and then he mentioned Ummat al-Ijabah. So he's talking about Ummat al-Ijabah, the Muslims themselves, that they will be divided into 73 sects, and only one will be delivered. So you should be now asking yourself, am I following the footsteps of the companions or not? If you are not, you should start from now. And last and not least, inshallah, those who have internet at home, my advice for them to keep the computer or the PC in the sitting room where everyone is watching. Don't keep it in a room and close the door because how, that's how the shaitan will come to you. And I'm sure when you open your email, you, ha you find a lot of junk, right? Always junk, junk, junk because we are living in an age of junk. Okay? So, keep it in the sitting room where everyone is seen. So you will not dare to go to a dirty site because your wife might see you. Or your daughter, dad, what are you doing? <laughs> huh? So keep it there. So that's how, because you see, you, you, subhanAllah, you, you feel shy of the people, but you don't feel shy of Allah. Allah is watching you. Imagine you are closing the door, and you are watching these things. Who's watching? Who's seeing you? Allah Himself. You don't respect Allah. And the two angels are watching. And there is another one watching and laughing. Who's that? Shaitan. They made him fool. And the angels. They went. Oh, this side. Okay. Oh, then another side. Oh, another side. Yes. The angels are doing that. And Allah is watching. And that guy is watching and laughing. May Allah preserve you. May Allah protect you. May Allah strengthen our iman and your iman. May Allah unite our hearts upon the truth. May Allah bring the Muslims together. And may Allah remove any grudge or ill feeling from our hearts. Insha'Allah, we will meet by the grace of Allah in the Jannah, and He will be pleased with us. Amen.
آمين آمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Brothers and sisters, please don't leave quite yet. Just last two minutes left, inshallah. And they are part of the formalities, though not meant in that way. And I have to, on behalf of all the speakers and all participants, first and foremost, in my small, insignificant way, on behalf of them, thank, first and foremost, of course, the stewards and all the people who helped out at this conference. Brothers, sisters, everyone who helped out are volunteers. They did it all for the sake of Allah. Inshallah, Allah knows the truth. Uh, without any pay, without expecting any thanks and so forth. And if they have been sincere, of course, the reward will be, inshallah, very fruitful and very enjoyable to them. So first of all, I, our thanks to the speakers and all of you as well. Because if you hadn't come, as we say every year, the conference wouldn't be what it is as you experience it. We might have the best of speakers and the best of stewards, helpers, volunteers. But only if five of you turned up, it wouldn't be much of a conference. So all of you took the, uh, the steps and the pains to get here, as uh, Yasin Dutton mentioned. And that is also a sign that, of course, we have a much latent goodness in our hearts which can be cultivated. Uh, finally, of course, alhamdulillah, please, I have to mention what uh, Sheikh Jafri Dris started off mentioning. We have many faults. It's not out of modesty. It's recognition of the reality. And we don't, don't need to be pretentious and practice false piety. We have many mistakes. I'm talking on behalf of myself and every brother and sister who helped out at the conference. We did notice uh, a lot of things going wrong and objectionable amongst the people, and perhaps we tried to advise or make some complaints. However it was done, I think perhaps our faults outweigh the, the faults we experience from others. So you have to forgive us and have love in your hearts for us and, and pardon the mistakes we have made. And pray, inshallah, that all of us can carry on forward in the right way for the sake of Allah for the future. Jazakumullah khairan. And we all expect to see you back next year. Jazakumullah khairan. Thank you. Allah.